Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB, the agriculture podcast to give you a competitive edge on your operation. Today we interview Randy Martinson with Martinson Egg. Randy shares with us changes in prevent plant rules, strategies for success on what acres on your property, information on stabilizing herd numbers, and a global crop outlook. Join us for today's episode. Well, thanks for joining us, Randy Martinson with Martinson Egg. Hey, Randy. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, I Ezra and I are seeing each other in person for the first time, I think, in three weeks. The- well, it was it was a nice three weeks, but uh, <laughs> it, had to, it had to end at some point. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to stay out of that one. <laughs> uh, so, Randy, why don't you just jump in? Tell us a little bit about yourself and Martinson Egg. Martinson Egg, we're a hedge marketing firm uh, out of Fargo. We do you know, crop insurance, we do advisory and we do um, brokerage, uh, futures and options trading, try to bring uh, kind of that total risk management package to producers to help give them uh, or help them uh, make best decisions with the situation that's at hand. And uh, of course, this year has been been one of those challenging years. (laughs) Yeah, definitely has been a a fight this year, but uh, I think we're finally getting to the end of it. You know, Mother Nature is finally starting to show that she can cooperate a little bit with us. Uh, you know, the forecast right now is calling for some nice weather, you know, temperatures in the 80s, you know, less rain. So it, it it's too bad we're at the end of our plantings, you know, our, as far as the final plant dates for most of our crops. But I guess uh, at least we can start seeing a little bit of improvement with weather and get the crop growing that's out there. Are we going to get... All our acres planted or no, you're going to see prevent plant, aren't you, this year? We're going to see prevent plant, uh, most definitely. And, and, you know, kind of how things appear to be kind of coming into play is, no, they're not going to extend any plant dates. Uh, I know there was some talk of, and there's still chatter in Washington. I know Senator Hovind's still working on it and still bringing it up to try to bring CCC in to help make for any shortfalls that would fall because of late planting and you know, not change the planting dates for crop insurance, but give another avenue to help producers maybe make up of if they have a claim with because of the, the late planting and the difference between their crop insurance and what your penalty is. Because for every day you go past your last planting date, you get your guarantee reduced by 1%. And that's what they were trying to, to uh, kind of help. But doesn't look like right now there's been no official chatter about that being approved. So Everything is as normal. And, you know, the way I look at it, you know, we didn't have enough time to plant all the corn. We didn't have enough time to plant all the wheat. I'm looking at somewhere between one to one and a half million acres prevent plant for each of those crops uh, in North Dakota, northern Minnesota, northern South Dakota. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised for us to have somewhere in the total with all the crops, somewhere between three to four million acres PP in this region. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that that's still maybe not as high as 2020, though. Most definitely. I mean, you know, like you said, you know, th- th- we've gotten some nice dry weather. The markets certainly have incentivized um, producers to maybe push the envelope a little bit and get out and when the fields maybe weren't exactly perfect and plant. The nice thing is, you know, we did have some cool wet conditions that helped maybe seal up some. Uh, bad planting decisions early in the season. Now things are starting to finally turn around and and soybeans seem to be having a little better uh, weather, a little better uh, planting conditions as as we go. 
I know for us, you know, we had big dreams of actually quite a bit of wheat this year and a decent amount of corn. And, you know, that kind of went out the window. Now we're just putting a lot of beans in. I would imagine, like you said, a lot of farmers are going to wind up in that same situation. What do you think this affected area? And, and as far as I can see, when I look at the reports and, and questionnaires out there, basically eastern North Dakota down to in that region between, oh, I don't know, Alexandria, Minnesota, and I'm not exactly sure how far south it goes into South Dakota, but we're kind of in that diamond region that that has a lot of PP. I mean, how much do you think that that actually affects uh, the prices and supply chain of everything? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, right now, North Dakota is number four in acres for soybeans number, and so in I believe Minnesota's number three. South Dakota is like number nine, eight, nine, somewhere in that area. When you look at it for corn, I think Minnesota's number three. North Dakota's number in acres planted. Um, North Dakota, I think, is you know either nine, ten, or eleven in that area. So we're going to be significant when it. And of course, spring wheat, we're number one. Um, you know, Montana's two, and I think Minnesota's three. So <laughs> it's going to be significant um, as far as the impact it has on the market because this is a year where because of the strong demand the issues going on in Russia and Ukraine with the the export program there and and because of the war going on that there's an emphasis put on needing to have every bushel and when you're looking at a million to a million and a half acres coming out of some of the bigger acres area we're not so much the biggest on the yield side of things but every acre right now lost in corn is going to take 177 uh, bushels out of the ending stocks estimate for corn. It's going to take 51 bushels out for soybeans. And I think it's like 45 somewhere in that for, for wheat. So we're going to impact uh, and it's going to make a difference. It might not have an impact until later in the growing season or after the June 30th acreage report, but it will impact the market. So let's focus on kind of what's in front of us right now. So I would imagine most farmers that I've talked to anyways are just wrapping up what they are going to get planted this year and uh, because of that crop insurance state, but also just, it, it just seems to, this week just has given us the opportunity to get a little more and then we're, and then it just doesn't seem like what we haven't been able to get to yet is is worth getting into until it's too late. How do we go about managing from a crop insurance standpoint and from your perspective, what are our opportunities now that we have ground that doesn't have a crop on it, what are some different uh, things that are out there that we can take advantage of to, one, manage our ground and use the the programs that are out there, and, and two, plan for, for the future from a crop insurance standpoint? That's a good question. I mean, you know, they've changed the prevent plant rules this year to make it very advantageous to the, you know, it, it's, it's helpful to the producer because now you can make better management decisions. You know, the biggest one is that you can plant a cover crop on those prevent plant acres and you can hay and graze those any time. You have to wait till after the, the last planting date for the crop you're calling PP there. So for corn, you know, you had to wait till after May 25th or May 31st, whichever whichever region you're in. For uh, wheat, it has to be after May 31st or June 5th, I believe is the last planting date for the northern regions. And for soybeans, it's June 10th. So Really, after June 10th, 
for most crops, you are able to go out and plant if you can get on that ground at that time frame. But any time after that, you can plant a cover crop and that cover crop can be hay grazed or baled any time now. You don't have to wait till that November 1st time frame. So it gives you the opportunity to put a crop on that wet ground to help suck up some of that extra moisture and also to help you know control the land so you don't get as much salts and, and, and it keeps it in productivity. And then you are also able to help, you know, livestock producers be able to have a crop or, or feed value, especially after last year's drought, where we saw a lot of the feed uh, stocks decrease. This will, I think, help be able to build some of those stocks back up again. So it's it's helping the producer by being able to put a cover crop on it. And it's helping the livestock guy by uh, giving him uh, some more feedstuffs available. That's a pretty significant change, uh, especially for North Dakota, where we're looking at snow on the ground pretty soon in November. <laughs> and there's a lot of guys across all of North Dakota and the West here that have had to destock, sell off some of their herd just because of the drought last year. And I know on our operation come this spring, we were in significant binds as far as available feed. And so that'll be significant, especially with rising prices. Oh, it's going to be really good for the livestock producer because now, like you said, I mean, we've gotten good rains. Most of the pastures have built back, but we're still seeing, you know, I looked at the report the other day that said mature cow slaughter rate is still 15% above last year at this time. So we're still seeing you know, some destocking take place. And that's going to be, that's going to impact the cattle industry for years because not only are we seeing less breeding stock because of cows, but we're seeing more heifers going to feedlots. So we're not going to be building this cattle herd anytime soon. Uh, and a lot of it is because of the drought, decreased in pastures and decrease in feed stocks. So this will help build some of that back and hopefully help stabilize the cattle numbers uh, going forward. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that the government actually came out with a program that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. You know, and, and, and it's nice that they can tweak this. And I know that there's been a lot of push to get that change from November 1st, because by November 1st, there really is no value out there in that crop or in that cover crop. Because one, you know, like you said, Emery, you normally are dealing with snow by that time frame. So it's tough to get. And your days are really short come November. So it's it's hard to be able to even get out and try to get a crop baled or or get it to a moisture level that you can actually store it for a long period of time without it going bad. So this certainly is going to help and it's going to be able to get that that cover crop put up when it's got the optimal feed value instead of no feed value. Yeah, we're usually combining corn anyway, so... <laughs> Exactly. And and hoping to get some corn stock bales made at the same time. So, I mean, yeah, so this will help. Uh, and, and we're going to be able to have some decent feed available because there is some, you know, with the cover crops available, you could plant, you know, sorghum or hay millet or feed barley. I mean, there's a, oats, there's a lot of different things that are available. Corn is not one that's available to plant on this cover crop, but most of these other crops are, which will make great feed alternatives for, for feeding the cattle corn is not available in a cover crop mix. What are some of those rules or limitations for things that you can put out there and call a cover crop? For the most part, they go with cover crops that are approved by the NRCS. And I know corn is one of those that's approved, but um, because of the fact that it can be either chopped for silage or they RMA has officially removed that from being one of the crops that are available, but pretty much any of the other ones. So you can actually pick if you want to have uh, beets or or radishes or if you want just uh, more uh, 
the oats or the, like I said, the hay millets. I mean, so it makes it pretty, whatever you want to plant out there, alfalfa, even uh, clover. So you can kind of have a mixture of crops if you want to plant it in there. You can't, you know, you got to plant at a lower planting rate. So it's treated as a cover crop, not full planting rates like you would if you were raising a crop out there. So that's kind of the re- some of the restrictions. But you can hay it and graze it or um, bale it anytime once it's mature and you feel it's time to go out there and get it. And then obviously you know, it is a cover crop, so you wouldn't go out there and harvest it for seed. It's it's to be used as a cover crop. And then and then the purpose of the rule change is just to provide some use in that. Is that correct? That is right. You you are right. You can't go out and harvest it. So you can't harvest the seed, but you can harvest the plant and, and turn it into a feed product. Okay. Well, thanks for the update on that. And then, yeah, so if, if anybody has any questions, uh, it sounds like most things are are acceptable for the cover crop list, but you said NRCS list would be a good place to go for that? Yep. And there are some, uh, they've actually got a website out there. I mean, if you Google prevent plant cover crops, uh, it, there is a list of the, the crops that are available and it makes it pretty easy to be able to pick which one works best in on the ground you have and in, in your in your situation. Last fall, just with how dry it was and some of the fall tillage that was happening, you know, it was hard not to look around and say, oh, there goes all our topsoil <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as, it, as the sky on some of those windy days was was pretty dark. So, yeah, that's exciting that we have we have options to really help improve that, not only to increase the organic matter, but also just to prevent that soil erosion. And, and that's what's nice. It's a, like I said, it's a win-win for both the the producer because it's going to, like you said, help you know keep the topsoil in place and prevent it from blowing. It's going to help suck some of that moisture out of the ground, so you don't have to worry so much about the salts coming up out of the ground. And then we'll also help the livestock guys to be able to build uh, some of their feedstocks. What do you think we're going to look at in the fall? I mean, there's been talk about Russia manipulating the market more by dumping some of Ukraine's foodstuffs into the chain. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you think that global view is going to be? Yeah, well, yeah, looking at it, I mean, you know, it's it's odd that you know we've got Russia who is pushing extremely hard to get grain moved out of Ukraine. Now, I don't know why they are so... Uh, concerned about the supply situation of the grain in Ukraine right now, but they are trying to get the exports started back up again. Uh, I think part of it is, is that they want to be able to try to uh, get the West or the rest of the world to start lifting some of their sanctions by them saying, okay, here, we're going to help Ukraine move some of their grain that's in storage or in in uh, the bins out so that they can make room for their new crop that's going to be coming in this fall. Uh, so we're being nice. We're helping them do that. You need to lift sanctions against us and so that we can start, our economy can start moving forward again. And what's interesting is that, you know, yesterday they had a meeting. It was uh, the UN, it was Russia, and it was uh, Turkey who met. The Ukraine was not part of the meeting, which, you know, if it's your grain, you'd kind of like to be part of the discussion. And and that didn't take place in this uh and I guess there was really no compromise or no uh, advancements or, or decisions made that they're still going to continue to have talks. It will make an impact if they start moving some grain out of uh, Ukraine. I don't know how much uh, of an impact it'll have. I mean, U.S., 
the, the sad part is that we were hoping and, and expecting to see some wheat exports kind of come out of this once we saw the Black Sea region shut down. I mean, they're 29% of the exports for wheat, and we, we were hoping we could get some exports on the, uh, because of that. That didn't follow through. Uh, wheat exports are going to go off as probably the second lowest in history for U.S. wheat this year. We just finished our marketing year. We'll see some true ups here as we go the next couple of weeks. We're starting this year a little bit uh, worse than where we were last year, but um, part of it is because our stronger dollar. Part of it is because our price being so much higher, but we just are not competitive as far as wheat on the world stage is concerned. Argentina is going to be cutting their production for wheat. Australia will see some pretty good production. Europe is having a little bit lower production. So for wheat, we are going to see a little tightening as far as wheat is concerned in the world because of the trouble with the Ukraine and Russia will have a little bit bigger production. Um, But whether or not it helps open up our exports so much, that's going to be unknown. But the other big thing is just how the strong demand for vegetable oil is and because of the switching over to the renewable diesel and to uh, the biofuel side of things, that will, I think, help kind of overshadow more of what uh, we're going to lose with the on the export side for wheat. Yeah, it's one of those years where it finally feels advantageous to be growing wheat, which is nice. I I think I think if we had gotten in the field the same time we did last year, I think what the whole farm would have been wheat if Dad had, had his ways. So, you know, wheat is a fun crop to raise. You know, and and it's it's you know nice to go nice. There's nothing more enjoyable than pulling a combine into a nice level wheat field and harvesting it in August than uh, you know in nothing against corn, but it's just that you know November is a little tougher time to be combining. <laughs> Kind of feels like you go back more to your your roots because your North Dakota's wheat fields it just feel it just feels North Dakotan, you know. Not that corn isn't, but well, Grandpa yeah. always used to say that. What are you planting corn for? This isn't corn country. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My dad said the same thing. He farmed two quarters of land not too far from us, you know, from our home base, and and Dad said always said that corn and soy that's not corn and soybean ground. That's wheat, barley, and sunflower ground, and I don't think it's had either of those for uh, 20 years now. <laughs> I mean, we talked about prevent plant options with cover crop. Is there really any other things that can be done on uh, wet ground in the in-between time? Obviously, some tiling work if you want to do that. That's always a good idea. <laughs> you know, and, and I think this is a good year for a lot of guys that are going to consider about investing in tiling again. You can see the difference in the land and guys being able to get out there and get some tiled ground in a little bit sooner than than the non-tiled. And I do know that, you know, some of the well, more of the minimum till uh, we're seeing a little bit more of a trouble because they had a lot more trash out there. It was a little tougher to get the, the ground to dry out. So we're going to see a compromise, I think, between between all of that happening here as we go forward. But the big thing I think that we're probably going to learn from this more than anything is that the cover crop, I think, industry is one that's going to see a big explosion in uh, demand moving forward. And I think a lot of guys will be looking at cover crops on land after they harvest in the fall. And, you know, I know it's it, that I think that's probably one of the bigger areas that have have room for expansion. Yeah, definitely. I think as we get more accustomed to prevent plant on a whole field basis, I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, imp- improve the ground just through management practices. I mean, we always used to summer follow, giving it a break, but also I think I think there's a tremendous opportunity for things like like haying 
earlier now that we can do that and and all of the cover crops and and the benefits that we can hopefully find with that it's definitely i think you're definitely right randy that there's a there's a big big market in there and i potentially you know we could be seeing the beginning of a little bit of a of a practice change in the way that we grow crops Oh, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it, it's going to be a change. And, you know, it, USDA is throwing a little incentive out there by giving, you know, that uh, credit on the crop insurance uh, premium for cover crops. Last year they did that. We're not sure if they'll they'll be doing it again this year. That's something we'll, we'll still look and find out. But uh, it certainly helps uh, getting that little bit of a credit on the crop insurance side. But the bigger thing is just the benefit it brings to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the weed control, like you mentioned earlier, is a, is a huge difference. I mean, I remember in 2020, we were spraying fields that just had more weeds on them than I'd ever seen. And, you know, we got the cover crop on and then it was a lot easier to manage, but weed control is a, a huge issue. And this year, you know, with Roundup as expensive as it is, you guys don't really want to go out and spray it three times. Like, you know, like you said, in the last few years, that has happened. So it, I think it, it's going to be a win-win situation. So it's, you know, the bigger part is that just being able to, I think, getting some of that forage into the livestock producer's hands. And, and that certainly is going to help to uh, maybe help decrease their price as far as the cost of feed or cost of gain, which is something that, you know, with the price of corn being up has hurt some some livestock operations as well. You know, kind of interesting how we finish up now, what USDA says with acres here at the end of the month and how weather treats us going forward. And I think that's going to be the big drivers. Randy, why don't you just go ahead and, and tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can find you? You know, we're a hedge marketing firm. We do uh, we do do this, uh, quite a few radio shows during the day. You know, we are on KQLX and WNEX uh, out of uh, South Dakota. Do make it on Ag Week. Uh, we write an article for them that comes out uh, usually over the weekend. And then also do a, a couple of, one for Ag Week, kind of a market wrap that can be found on Ag Week. Um, and that's tied in with the Red River Farm Network. We also do a what's hot, what's not with the Red River Farm Network that comes out. So that's kind of the the media side of things. But then uh, we can always be found on on your mobile phone, uh, we've got an app that's out. Guys can find us on that. Just search for Martinson Egg and download the app. It's free. Um, to for and we put out a bunch of information. A lot of crop insurance information goes out there, and then we also put out uh, other, you know, our weekly comments for producers to be able to look at and just kind of see what our philosophy is. Yeah, that sounds really good. Well, I could say definitely on having a good person like yourself to, to call and to figure out exactly what the best course of action is. I can't tell you how many times this year we've changed directions on where we were going just because of the weather and, and being able to uh, make a phone call and, and get things figured out quickly is a huge asset. And so there's definitely a lot of value in working with somebody like yourself that knows what they're talking about. We appreciate that. We, you know, we try to stay up on everything that's coming out. And, and uh, like I said, we give for, for the information that we know at the time, uh, we try to give the best information and, and the best course of action. Well, thanks again, Randy. And uh, we'll visit with you soon. All right. Thank you.